Welcome to Covenant's Pulpit Ministry. Covenant Evangelical Free Church believes that the Bible is the Word of God and that God's Word is vital for life-transforming Christianity. We trust that you will grow to know the Word of God and more importantly, the God of the Word as you hear this message today. May God bless you as you open your heart to His Word. Now, we welcome us back to our 10.30 service this morning as we have been walking through our journey together with God through the book of Daniel. So turn with me, please, to Daniel chapter 1. Daniel chapter 1. And since the start of the year, our senior pastors have led us in this spiritual burden of into His hands where it is a very timely call to invite us to place our lives, our loved ones into God's hands for such a time as this. And from Daniel chapter 1, we've been seeing how, for example, at the very first part, as, as things happen and unfold, even trials and tragedies are real. Uh, a look behind the curtain, what God is doing. And then subsequently, last Sunday, it was about living and swimming against the flow in a world where the value systems and beliefs is contrary to what we believe and what we stand for. Now, this morning, we're going to look at before the King, living our lives in the way that we prepare to stand before King Jesus one day. Okay, so turn with me to first, first chapter of Daniel, beginning at verse 17. Okay, verse 17. Now, how many of us here, you, you play a string instrument, meaning guitar, cello, double bass, even harp. Any of us, you play one of these instruments, guitar, violin, okay? Okay, good. Uh, those who raise your hands, you just volunteered to be in the worship team. No, I'm kidding. Okay. Now, those of us who, who play string instruments, you would know that when placed in your hands, in order for it to play beautiful, melodious sounds, it depends not just on your training and how skilled you are, right? It depends on the tension that's in, in, the, in the instrument. If the tension is too tight or too high, it, it, it can come across screechy or it's just too sharp or too high-pitched, it may even snap. But when the tension is too low, it, it sounds weird, it sounds wonky. But when at the right tension, when placed in the musician's hands, it provides soothing, comfortable music for everyone to hear. Now, that's the picture i like us to begin with when we place our life in God's hands. When God, the Master, through us, begins to play the comforting, soothing music of the gospel to the world that is fallen and broken. However, what we do feel is the constant tension and the stresses and strains of life. It may come in the form of a toxic or unhealthy work culture and you dread opening the email from your boss. A medical condition, either for yourself or your loved one, that doesn't seem to go away and you feel the stress and the strain of it. For some of us, just the long-term caregiving of our elderly parents. And for others, it could come, for example, in the form of just a relationship that's either gone south or hit a stalemate. And no matter how hard you try what you do, nothing is happening or working. The discomfort, the dissonance, the tensions. When we come to Daniel chapter 1, this was exactly the situation Daniel and his friends were in. Now, they had three years of national service, right? Okay. Do you know what they had to learn in the national service in order to prepare to be worthy for the king's service? Now, besides so-called secular subjects uh, like Babylonian language and culture, even uh, modules like history and medicine, they have to learn stuff like astrology, 
Astrology is not just for them to gaze and, and, and marvel at the stars. It is to help them predict the future for the king. So if the king were to ask them, should I go to this, uh, to, uh, to, against this uh, king or this nation for war and uh, will I win, they have to consult so-called the stars, like what we do as horoscopes. They have to uh, learn stuff like heptatoscopy. What that means is that they have to take an animal, cut open the animal, take out the liver. A bit gross, huh? Okay? And then they have to study the liver to see whether is it a good or bad liver and that determines whether it's a good or bad omen for the king. They have to, they have to learn exorcism, rituals and chants to help either drive out evil spirits from people or call out the dead. Can, can you sense the discomfort of what they are learning that goes against the grain of their religious upbringing as Jews. But yet they were exactly where God wanted them to be in order that in time to come, they were the mouthpiece that would stand before kings and, and declare and prophesy until things happen and God was moving and the Gentile kings themselves, be it Nebuchadnezzar here or King Darius later, would proclaim even through an empire-wide decree of the greatness of the God of Judah but they would feel the tensions, the stresses, and the strains constantly, day in, day out. Yet this was their divine assignment. There is a Christian brother by the name of Desmond. He is a, a medical doctor. He works in emergency. And he discovered, uh, he was uh, featured in our, our newspaper, he, he discovered that in the A&E department, a, a group of people will keep coming back. These are people who uh, have alcohol intake and some of them will be so flat out with the overdose, they'll have to be carried in by paramedics. Now for others, they will come in complaining of chest and leg pains and these are symptoms of overdrinking. And after they are treated and, and, and they so-called, they leave the A&E, they come back again. So he was tasked to look into the whole alcohol issue and he discovered beyond just a program to treat and correct their behaviours, he entered into their world. He began to understand and, and hear firsthand the burdens they were carrying, the pains they were trying to medicate through alcohol. And he found through this, at the workplace, a calling and a divine assignment from God. He already had more than enough to do in emergency, but this was his calling. This was his divine assignment. All of us, I believe, have a divine assignment from God. Regardless of the vocations uh, we operate in at the workplace, whether we are a retiree in the home or student on campus, a national servicemen in the armed forces, we are each called to represent Jesus well and to influence people into the kingdom the way God would lead us. And what does it take for us to fulfill this assignment well until the day we stand before Jesus the King? Now, I want to suggest from verses 17 to 21 that it entails at least doing two things. Okay, firstly, fulfilling God's assignment entails, firstly, using our God-endowed gifts. Our God-endowed gifts. So here's verse 17 now. Verse 17. As for these four youths, meaning Daniel and his three friends, God, notice, gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. God gave. Now, as we follow through the devotional journal by Pastor David, we will recognize that this is not the first time it is said that God gave, right? Verse 2, where God gave King Jehoiakim into the hands of King Nebuchadnezzar. Verse 9, where, where Daniel felt convicted to resolve not to defile himself with the king's food and, and drink. God gave 
favour and compassion. So here God gave again every aptitude, every acumen, every ability needed for them to serve in the king's palace well. I, I really believe that for all of us, just as they were given all wisdom, all knowledge, understanding in all dreams and visions, all of us have been endowed by God somewhere inside with a gift and ability for us to operate in a way that fulfills our divine assignment. Now, I'm not simply referring to spiritual gifts that we use in the confines of the local church. I'm talking about any kind of ability, acumen that God gives you and God has positioned you such that they converge. Now, my wife Sue, before she was an IDMSI intern, she knows I'm not talking about her, and she used to run the office of a law firm. And she would, uh, she would, she would look into different things as the admin, the admin manager, and for example, payroll and HR and so on. She has to constantly look at details and figures and stare at them day after day. Uh, she has a knack for just looking at details and have a, has a knack of looking at gaps that she needs to deal with. Now, if I did what she did, I may have ended up in IMH. She is the tour leader for her family when the family goes for overseas holidays. So she has to figure out for a family of 13, uh, uh, the, all the flights, connecting flights as well, who sits with who, and then the hotel accommodation, what kind of extra requires needed, uh, extra bed for this room. She has, to, she has to figure out the meals with the tour guide, including diet restrictions, the itinerary, where we are going, how we are spending that, that period of time, how long do we stay in this hotel, when do we move, what time do we check out, what time we check in, so on and so forth. If I was her, I, I may have gone crazy before the trip started. All of us have an ability, have, have something in there that God has built in such a way that when it is used, it is, it is not simply meant to showcase ourselves, our ability. It is meant to showcase the giver rather than the gifts. The giver rather than the recipient. So that through our lives, when these gifts are operating, people see God at work through us. Now, what it does not mean is this, huh? It does not mean that we don't have to grow and develop in it, whatever gifting. Because for Daniel's three friends, you notice, even though, even though they were the cream of the crop, no? you, you look at the history of the, the exile in the first deportation, sometime 605 BC or, or slightly earlier, 3,000 over Jews came against their will, dragged into Babylon and consigned as labor. And out of the 3,000 over men, presumably, these were the four that were single out. They were exceptional. They were the cream of the crop. But it did not mean they don't have to learn and develop the gift because they went through very rigorous three-year training, right? Here's also what it does not mean. This may surprise us. Huh? Okay, this may surprise us. Being gifted does not mean you will feel adequate. When we see Daniel in the second half of the book, when all these visions were given to him, he could have said, uh, he could have said, we know that he's been positioned, right, in verse 17 now, verse 17, that he had understanding in all visions and dreams, right? He was positioned later to interpret the dream for the uh, king, Nebuchadnezzar. He could have said, bring it on, I'm so gifted, right? But when we come to the second half of the book, when God began to give him visions and, and pictures of how the future will unfold in terms of the empires that will rise and fall, can you read this with me on the screen? Chapter 8, verse 15, together. When I, Daniel, had seen the vision, I sought to understand it. Which means probably he didn't understand, at least not fully, right? Verse 27, together. But I was appalled by the vision and did not understand it. Here was someone exceptionally gifted, probably graduated valedictorian, 
could not understand even though the gifts were in him. And he was driven to that place of prayer and humble dependence on God all over again. Now, as the story unfolds later in chapter 9, it's an entire chapter devoted to the prayer of Daniel in the midst of seeing all those visions. And it's the same pattern, it's the same posture of Daniel here in chapter 1. Because even though he was gifted to understand all dreams and visions, but before he approached the king in chapter 2, he asked his three friends to seek mercy from above so that the interpretation can be made known. So that by the time he entered the king's presence in chapter 2, the first thing that comes out of his mouth is not, I'm so gifted, you can ask me. His first statement was that all interpretations belong to who? Belong to God. Using our God-endowed gifts in a way that people see the giver more than the gifts, the giver more than the recipient. During my acting CEO term last year when Pastor KK was away, thank God it's over, <laughs> I, I was tasked by Pastor Tony to close every service here at BPJ as long as I'm available and I'm, I'm around. The easy thing to do is come up, give the benediction, close shop, go home. And because I was a service leader at Woodlands for 14 years before I crossed over, the natural thing to do was that I've done this before, I've got some measure of expertise, experience, and it's easier to wing it. But because I felt the weight of leading the centre spiritually, I came to a place where I could not depend on gifting, ability, experience, expertise. I had to know, God, what is your agenda for the life of the church? What is your agenda for BBJ Centre? And out of that was born my Saturday night soaking time, where for one hour, I would turn on soaking music or, or worship music, open the scriptures, worship, wait upon the Lord until I'm clear, until the Lord puts upon my heart what He intends for the next morning. And in between, what the Lord does and deals with me is not just what uh, I have in mind for tomorrow. He deals with the condition of my heart. And tears would come. Last night, I was convicted again when I thought today was going to be an easier sermon, more straightforward. I was convicted again. It doesn't get easier. Why? Because God has to work. God's voice has to be heard. If God turns up, lives are touched. If Edmund Wong turns up, nothing happens. And doing this after being prayer pastor for covenant for 11 to 12 years. We are entering into a prayer season starting today all the way to Monday, Thursday. And what would culminate after this prayer season is our Good Friday and Easter outreaches where we are believing God will bring in the harvest of souls again. In between, the good news is that we have Alpha that's going to run. is for pre-believers in a more informal setting to, to talk and have questions about life and faith. And the good news is that we also have the Chinese version. But I really believe what God intends for us as our life together in a spiritual family is don't depend on the programs to make the harvest work. The wind blows wherever it pleases, according to the Gospel of John. You can't tell where it's coming from, where it's going. So is everyone born of the Spirit. It is the work of God. And God invites us, no matter how many times you have done this, come to that place of deeper prayer, deeper dependence on me, come to the place where you recognize that until and unless God is in this, it's not going to work. No matter how gifted, how experienced, how eloquent. I sense some of us in life, we've come to a place where whatever challenges we face, nothing seems to be working 
or we, we hit a stalemate somewhere and that is God's invitation. In fact, I really believe this prayer season is not simply our gift to God by praying more, some of us fasting. It is actually God's gift to us to come back to that place of deeper dependence, deeper hunger, greater power. On Sundays, our service leaders will lead us to pray. We've already heard uh, the announcement by Kuo Yi together this coming Friday here at BPJ, 8 p.m. We, we're going to gather as a spiritual family here. And then at our CG time, the CGs will gather to pray as your leaders lead you. But let's not go through this prayer season and go through the motions. Let's not waste the season because I really believe it is a gift from God to us to draw near. Fulfilling God's assignment entails that we use our God-endowed gifts. Now, secondly, it entails that we keep our God-appointed stations. God-appointed stations. Verse 18 now, verse 18, that at the end of time, meaning at the end of three years, when the king had commanded that they should be brought in into the king's presence, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar the king. And the king, verse 19, spoke with them, and among all of them, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore, they stood, notice, before the king. So do you notice the phrase that keeps repeating? Verse 18, before Nebuchadnezzar, the king. Verse 19, before the king, right? Their very first appearance. Can you turn to a neighbor for a while? Turn to your neighbor for a while, okay? Now, suppose, suppose, one day you open a letterbox. You see an envelope that says from the president's office. Okay, you, you unseal the envelope and you see an invitation from the president herself to come to Istana for an interview. And if you pass the interview, there is a job prospect of working in the Istana itself. Okay, turn to your neighbor, turn to your neighbor. Okay, now share very briefly, how do you feel seeing the, the contents of the letter and how do you feel as the day approaches for you to meet the president? Okay, go ahead, go ahead. Chances are you may say something to the extent of, wow, I feel so honoured, right? You got a personal invitation. I feel excited, nervous at the same time. What, what, what is the president going to ask me? I, I better go and prepare. I better go and research and ask Uncle Google. What, what questions can I maybe ask the president also, right? What shall I wear the, the night, the, for the day? Maybe the night before, I need to iron my clothes. I'm morning, wake up and then, and then shower, put on makeup, put on perfume or cologne and then, and, and then make yourself very presentable and all that, right? There's a level of excitement, nervousness and all that. I suggest to us for Daniel's three friends when they appeared before Nebuchadnezzar, it is nothing like that. Why? It is absolutely terrifying and nerve-wracking. The last time, one of the last times a Jewish person appeared before Nebuchadnezzar was King Zedekiah. And in his rebellion, Nebuchadnezzar came to conquer the city. And, 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 and Babylonians are famous for ancient torture methods, not just physically, but emotionally and psychologically. Sorry, the description here is going to be a bit M18, okay? Sorry, uh, uh, prep us first. Uh. What happened was that before, before Zedekiah was captured, or rather he was yeah, bound, he had his officials put to the sword. The sword went through them. He had his own sons have their throat probably slit right in front of his eyes, lying motionless in the pool of blood. Right immediately after that, his eyes got gorged out. So that that became the final, last memory he sees before he lost his memory. 
and you have to live with the trauma, the grief, the guilt, the regret for the rest of his life without inner healing. Now, he doesn't just treat the Jewish people like that. He treats his own Babylonian enchanters and magicians like that because if you go to chapter 2, when he has that dream, right, he asks for the interpretation and, and, and the Babylonian enchanters say, no one can interpret this dream. And before that, he says that if you cannot, notice with me now, chapter 2, verse 5, the king answered and said to the Chaldeans, this word from me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, notice, you shall be torn limb from limb and your houses shall be laid in ruins. In other words, not only your property gone, you're going to be physically tortured. Now, the ancient world has a very famous torture system called the rack. I don't know whether that was exactly what happened, but essentially they tie your four limbs or legs and hands to four different ends. Okay, either to four different trees, four different horses, or to, to a structure. And essentially, they stretch you in different, four different directions until the ropes that are tying you uh, eat into your flesh and pull you along. Okay, until your, 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 basically your joints dislocate, until basically your lungs cannot hold any more uh, oxygen and you suffocate, and along the way, your bones shatter. That's Nebuchadnezzar. So can you imagine now Daniel and his three friends appearing before this king for the very first time and what comes out of their mouth could determine whether they live or they die. And verse, verse 20, and in every matter, verse 20, of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them. The whole idea of inquire here is that he was, he was checking them out, he was seeking out, he was drilling them basically. It's like a scholarship interview before the panel, or, or you have to make the defense of your, of your thesis for your postgrad program. The good news is, they pass few. But that will not be the only time they appear before the king. In fact, Daniel had to do it again and again and again and again. For how long? Verse 21. And Daniel was there until when? The first year of King Cyrus. If we do the maths, first deportation 605 BC, first year of King Cyrus in his reign of Persia, 538-539 BC, thereabout. In other words, close to 70 years of his life doing this. In fact, Daniel lasted beyond that. You come to chapter 10 later on as, as the story unfolds. He saw a vision and a word during the third year of King Cyrus of Persia. He was still there. Now, you think about it. If you were God, if I was God, thank you, I'm not. But if we were God and we were to single out faithful Jews who put their life on the line to say, I will not worship any other God, no matter how severely tested, which is Daniel's three friends, right? The three friends went through a fiery furnace. If there was any faithful Jew you would reward by bringing them back to the land first, who would it be? Them. But according to historian Josephus, Daniel never returned back to the land. He died and was buried in Parthia or Persia. Why? Because that was his divine assignment before the king. And in that place of prayer again and again, he would fulfill this divine assignment no matter how long it takes by keeping his God-appointed station as long as it takes. Eugene Peterson, who has passed on now, shared about how our 
discipleship or our journey of following Jesus is a long obedience in the same direction. Long obedience in the same direction. And this is what distinguishes us as a people of God in our instant world, where people may have commitment phobia, when people may want to throw in the towel when the going gets tough. But what we need in order to keep in that same direction is staying power from on high. I read to us a story from the San Francisco newspaper about this lady called Linda. She's, uh, she drives a bus, and, and this uh, newspaper article says that, about 10 years ago, said that she loves the people who ride her bus, learns their names, and waits for them if they are late, and then make up the time later on her route by driving a bit faster. A woman in her 80s was carrying and struggling with heavy groceries, and Linda saw and would get out of the bus to carry her groceries into the bus. So now this old lady called Ivy would let other buses pass her stop so that she can take Linda's bus. Linda saw a woman named Tanya at the bus shelter and she could tell that Tanya was new to the area and was kind of lost. It was almost Thanksgiving, which is a year-end celebration in the US. So Linda said to Tanya, you are out here all by yourself, you don't know anybody, come over to Thanksgiving, join me and the kids. And they became friends. Linda has built such a community of blessing on that bus that passengers offer Linda their vacation homes to stay. They will bring her potted plants, floral bouquets, and scarves to accessorize her uniform. <laughs> Don't know whether she can wear or not. <laughs> but you think about what a thankless task driving a bus can look like in our modern world. Cranky passengers. And in Singapore, maybe your photo or video is uh, put on social media. Engine breakdowns. Traffic jams, gum on the seats. And you ask yourself, how does she have this attitude? In fact, when passengers get off the bus, this is what she will say to them. She says, that's all. I love you. Take care. How in the world does she have this attitude? But this is what is uh, said about Linda, that her mood is set at 2.30 a.m. in the morning when she gets down on her knees to pray for 30 minutes. And in Linda's own words, there is a lot to talk about with the Lord. Her mood is set at 2.30 a.m. on her knees. Fred Craddock, when he addressed a group of Christians, he said that, you know, often when we think of surrendering our lives to the Lord, uh, our, our picture is this, uh, it's like taking a $1,000 bill, we lay it on the altar and says, God, here's my entire life, take it, right? But he says often what God does is that he gives us back the $1,000, sends us to the bank to cash it in in coins. And then we go through life putting out 25 cents here and 50 cents there. Listening to the neighbor's kids' troubles instead of saying, I have no time, get lost. Going to a committee meeting. Giving a cup of water to a shaky old man in a nursing home. Usually giving our life to Christ isn't glorious, or at least that glorious. It's all done in those little acts of love, 25 cents at a time. It's done in all those little acts of love, 25 cents at a time. One of the things I'm sensing as, as uh, we bring God's Word together, as we, we open the Scriptures, is that for some of us, you already know what your divine assignment is. 
be it at home in discipling children, caring for, for parents, at the workplace, whatever vocation God has placed you, and, and you're feeling the tension, the constant stress and strain, you already know what the divine assignment is. But what we need is often staying power. Because for some of us, God may and is asking us, stay, wait. But don't wait passively and do nothing. Wait actively as you stay because I want to move in answer to prayer. And God invites us to that place of prayer like Linda all over again. Fulfilling God's assignment entails using our God-given gifts so that people see the giver more than the gifts, the giver more than the recipient, keeping our God-appointed stations no matter how long it takes, whatever it takes. And I want to invite us as a very practical action that as we spend the next 40 days in this prayer season, find some unhurried space like what Linda did, like what the Lord led me to do, where if you need be, work out your schedule with your family. There's unhurried space to be before the Lord, on our knees if need be, and just be unhurried to soak in His presence. Let God speak and have that unhurried time to voice what's really in your heart as you wait upon the Lord and call upon the Lord. Because God invites us to draw near. Let me close with this final story before we respond together. The story is told of an ancient uh, marathon in Greece and well-sculptured athletes who have trained hard all their life would compete to cross the finishing line first. And the winner would be called up to receive a, a wreath, an Olympic wreath, that's kind of like grass twisted together in a, a round shape and placed on his head. And at the starting line was someone they spotted as a wild card. Someone whose physique was a cut above the rest and it was rumoured that he was really very good. And therefore, it was also rumoured that he was bribed along the way, offered tons of money, offered property to purposely lose the race. Now, this runner chose to reject and say no to those offers, even though very lucrative, stepped right ahead as he was about to start. And lo and behold, as, as the signal went, he was off, he was ahead of the pack, and he crossed the finishing line first. And after receiving the reef, he was asked, is the money and the property really worth much more than the reef you receive? To which his answer, I did not run for the flowers or the grass. I ran so that I can stand before my king. I didn't run for the reef. I ran so that I can stand before my king. Dear spiritual family, we all know Jesus is returning soon and there is a race that is still yet to run. There are still laps to go until our Lord returns. And often the going can get tough. We will feel the strains and the stresses, but God invites us to that place of prayer, to that place of having staying power from on high so that we all run with the desire to stand before our King one day to hear the voice of this King saying, Well done, good and faithful servant. I'm going to invite us to bow our heads in prayer for a few moments. And I'm going to make an invitation for two groups of us to respond and then we're going to sing the response song together. And after that, 
as we come before the Lord to respond. I'm also inviting us to come forward as a physical symbol, a symbolic act to say, God, I hear your invitation to draw near and here I come. But before we do so, I'm just going to give us a few moments of unhurried space and time now. If there is one thing, one word, one phrase God puts upon your heart, that's for you. Let it sink in. And then in prayer now, would you respond to Him? Let me first invite the spiritual family together to respond. For some of us, God has put in your heart in whatever divine assignment He has given to you, stay, wait, I am working. Don't throw in the towel yet. And you need staying power for the journey. I'm going to pray a prayer to reflect that desire of our hearts. And if that's you, I'm going to invite you to pray this with me in your heart and after that, just to indicate by raising your hand, I'm going to pray together for you. Now here's how this prayer goes. Father God, thank you for this prayer season. It's your gift to me. Today I hear your invitation to draw near and come before the King so that I am given staying power from on high to fulfill your assignment for my life. I ask, O oh Lord, draw me nearer as I come. Do your deepest work in me, out of which comes forth deeper dependence on you, higher urgency for lost souls, stronger faith in you, and greater honour for Jesus as I represent you well and influence others into your kingdom. If that's you, can I invite you with, with our heads bowed right now just to put your hand up high to say, yep, that was me. That was the desire of my heart. Yes, the Lord sees your hand. Anybody else? Now, let's just keep it up for a moment. Just for a moment. Father God, we thank you that as we raise our hands before you, you hear the cries of our hearts. You hear the desires of our souls. Be pleased to answer. Be pleased, O oh Lord, to turn up in those circumstances and challenges. They are beyond us. So that, God, we do not depend on our gifting, our ability, our expertise, our experience and our eloquence to make life work, to make this challenge resolve. But we are utterly dependent on you all over again, O oh Lord. And therefore, be pleased to honour the very heart and desire of your servants, your sons and your daughters. Exceed them by the story you, that will unfold for the greater glory of Jesus. Thank you. You may put your hands down. As we continue in this time of prayer, I want to make an invitation for some of us who you came in as a guest or someone came with you, but you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus. You came in not as a Christian. And the Bible tells us that the most terrifying thing is not standing before a tyrant king like Nebuchadnezzar, but standing before God one day without a relationship with Him because judgment is real. And God in His mercy has sent Jesus to the cross where both the wrath and the mercy of God met. 
And if it's your desire this morning to receive Jesus into your life for the very first time, I'm going to pray a prayer as well. And that's you. I'm going to invite you after that, likewise, to raise your hand up high. I'm going to pray with you. Now, here's how this prayer goes. Dear God, you say in the Bible, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But thank you that you desire none to perish and send Jesus to the cross so that he took my judgment and have a brand new start of life with you. I receive you into my heart today as Lord and Saviour. Take charge of me from now on. Lead me to fulfill your assignment for me until the day I stand before my King. My friend, if that's you, can I invite you likewise for the very first time asking Jesus into your life just to put up your hand up high right where you are. I just want to acknowledge you, pray with you before we respond together with this song. Anyone here in the second service? It won't take too long for this, but I do want to give you an opportunity. Let's pray together. Eternal God, we thank you that every time the scriptures are open, you lovingly woo and summon us. And therefore, we ask for our friends and guests who have come yet to have that relationship with you, the best thing ever to happen in our lives, that you will continue to work in their hearts until the day they call upon you. In Jesus' name, we give you thanks and we say together, Amen. Amen. Let's stand together. Let's sing this song as a response as we enter this prayer season that God's invitation to draw near and we will run to Him as our King. Your eye. Your eye is on the sparrow and your hand it comforts me from the ends of the earth to the depths of my heart let your mercy and strength be seen. to your purpose as angels understand for your glory. May you draw all men as your love and grace demands. I will run to you. before we sing that song once more as a response to God to say God I hear your invitation to deeper prayer to deeper dependence as we begin this prayer season we're going to run nearer and draw near before this King what, here's what I'm going to invite us to do and Pastor KK is going to pray over us okay if that's your desire God I don't want to waste this prayer season I don't want to go through the motions take me deeper into your presence take me into a new level of spiritual hunger a new level of revival I'm going to invite us 
that we come out of our seats as a symbolic act to say, God, I hear your call. By your grace, I want to draw near, believing that you're going to meet me. And then, therefore, as we sing the song once more, I'm going to invite you to come out of your seats. Come all the way to the very front. And we're going to worship the Lord together. We're going to linger in God's presence that Pastor Gagan's going to pray for us. Okay? Shall we do that? Let's sing that once more. You're right. Your eyes Let's come. Let's come. It's our symbolic act and desire to say, God, I hear your call. This is a season as a gift to me. I'm coming. I want to join you. Yeah, come all the way. Come on. Let's sing together and I will run to you, to your words of truth, not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit of God. Yes, I will sisters oh let's just linger in God's presence let's not rush anywhere because God is here he has called out to you come run to me run to me run to me not by might not by power but by my spirit says the Lord and you come and stand before your King and let Him fill you afresh. Let Him empower you afresh. Oh, invite God into this journey that you are in now. Invite Him. He's so one to walk with you. Look to Him right now. Walk with me, God. Help me not walk in my own way, dear Lord. Help me not do what is right in my own eyes, oh God. Help me, dear Father, Lord, come and receive your wisdom, your understanding, your counsel, dear Lord, your directives, dear Lord, so that I might walk in it, Lord. Because my way, my way is the ancient path. My way is the way of salvation and deliverance. My way is the way of peace, is the way of hope. Not absence of any conflict, nor trouble. But my way is the way to Christ. Oh, people right now, symbolically, whatever it is, just lift up your hands. Whatever that is, lift up your hands and say, Lord, yes, I want to be more dependent upon you right now. I want to be more independent. I want to be more deepened in you right now. I want to surrender to you right now, oh God. Because brothers and sisters, prayer precedes revival. Prayer softens our heart. Prayer changes 
our hearts. Prayer unite us for God's kingdom's purposes. Oh, because for Linda, the bus driver, her mood is set at 2.30 a.m. in the morning. What about yours? Right here, right now, you are taking that stand. Right now, your life and destiny, your mood is set for the future. As you receive God's empowering, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, I will be with you all the days of your life. Draw strength, draw wisdom, draw power from on high. Oh, the scripture says, Awake sleeper and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time, because the days are evil. Yes, now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. To Him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. And all of God's people say, Amen. We're glad you had spent some time listening to God's Word and we hope that the message has ministered to you. You can visit us at www.cefc.org.sg for more sermon titles. God bless you in your spiritual pilgrimage ahead.